0: I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. I'm taking my time. All I could talk in is starting to
1: run. I'm letting go lonely, letting go
0: strife. I just can't get enough of this beautiful life. The Enneagram. It's a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram is a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I am a philosopher, movie enthusiast, and Enneagram theorist in Greeley, Colorado. And with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram Ninja. Hello. My man. Hey. We are in a deep dive into great movie villains using the Enneagram. Yeah, we are. And we're
2: actually going to jump right back into Hans Gruber from Die Hard.
0: Part two. Um, Okay, so my least favorite scene is the one with Ellis. Who gets anno- uh, he gets antsy, and he comes up. This is one of uh, hey, Holly G- the guy who's pursuing Holly Gennaro. But he decides, I'm going to try and figure all this out. Hans uses Ellis. Ellis fails. Hans shoots Ellis on the walkie-talkie, who nobody liked. He's the 80s buffoon who's what? – what is that character? It's the coked-out – Yeah, it's a coked-out Wall Street guy. Like, he yeah. literally says
2: – I negotiate million-dollar deals for breakfast. I think I can handle this euro trash.
0: This Hans, guy sucks. <laughs> after shooting Ellis – Hans yells at McLean
1: Talk to me, where are my detonators? Where are they? Or shall I shoot another one? Sooner or later I might get to
0: someone you do care about. And I like that that uh, that little extra. Yeah. Like
2: reestablishing that he is the one that's in control of this situation. Yeah. yeah. Especially after hearing how much how much effort and emotional anguish McLean went through trying to save Ellis. Yeah. And here's here's one of the things about threes yeah. and, and bad threes and unhealthy threes using their powers against other people is that is that Hans can tell. Hans threes read yep. emotions yep. really really well. They don't engage emotions the same way but they take in the whole world through their emotional center. And Hans can tell that John McClane cares. Yep.
0: Hans doesn't, but John McClane does. And now he can use that against John McClane. It's a common villain move right there. Right. Oh, you care about these people. Okay. I will find the ones that you care about and I will kill them. Yep. This is, I liked the idea of, con- of reestablishing control here. Cause that, It moves us to the next move for Hans is this is where he calls the police and expresses his terrorist demands. Mm -hmm.
1: I have comrades in arms around the world languishing in prison. The American State Department enjoys rattling its saber for its own ends. Now I can rattle it for me. The following people are to be released from their
0: captors. And he starts this big long list that it's kind of terrifying when you hear it. You're like, ooh, these seem like dastardly people. Um, the 9 It gets to this point where he says the nine members of the Asian Dawn movement. And Carl is there the whole time. And Car- Carl mouths, Asian Dawn? And Hans puts his hand over the mic and he says,
1: I read about them in Time magazine.
0: <laughs> and then
2: we, the audience, understand that yes. Hans doesn't care about any of these people. He has something care. else in mind entirely. That's right.
0: We knew about the $640 million. And, uh, but here he is casting the deceptive web right. I want you to believe these things because it will get me what I want. right. You have two hours to comply. You need to free these thirty people who are in solitary confinement in the worst prisons in the world in All the next over two hours. The world. <laughs>
2: You have to, to negotiate a, this with several different governments.
0: And, of course, he's talking to Dwayne Robinson.
2: <laughs> yeah, a deputy captain of the L.A. police department.
0: Carl says, do you think they'll even try to do it? And Hans, feeling repressed, Hans says, who cares? It's not about them.
2: It's not about oh, those people. That, it that's not
0: the goal, brother. Yep. The next time we see Hans, they have the con- there. There's a bunch of little episodes, but he ends up having to go to the roof to look for detonators. And this is the only time where McLean and Hans, with the exception of the end, end up having a face to face encounter. This was added after the film had been completed.
2: Oh, interesting. And
0: they said we need you to go, and uh, we need to see them see each other before the end.
2: It was a good call. This scene is excellent.
0: Oh, I'm glad that you like this. I, I want your thoughts. Hans is in an awkward position. He jumps down right in front of McLean, and McLean has a gun over him, clearly has more power. Hi there.
2: How you doing?
0: And Gruber pauses, thinks quickly, and hears the American accent comes out. And again, the de- that deceptive side here.
1: Please God no you're one of them, aren't you? You're one of them. Okay, oh, please, please Please. Whoa, whoa, please, whoa please, please. relax. Relax. I'm not gonna hurt you. The f- are
0: you doing up here?
1: What were you looking for? I managed to get out of there and uh, well I was just trying to get up on the roof and see if I could signal for help, you know. Come on, the I said store. forget
0: the roof. I got people all over.
2: Well, you wanna stay alive, you stay with me.
0: And Gruber has to bail his gun, which he had put somewhere else and the movie cuts to them inside and McLean gets out a pack of cigarettes.
1: You smoke? Yeah.
0: And McLean hands him a cigarette.
1: You don't work for Nakatomi and if you're not one of them...
0: And McLean starts to reveal who he is.
1: I'm a cop from New York. New York? Yeah. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew?
0: And this is where Gruber looks at his feet. And again, he's conscious of the image, and skills, and posture.
1: Better being call your pants down, huh? <laughs> I'm John McClain. You're. Uh...
0: Now, Gruber is not looking at the the little sign on the wall. McLean is looking at the sign on the wall that has all the names. Gruber has memorized names of people who work at this building, mm-hmm. and he says Clay. And one of the names on the sign says William Clay. And so as the audience, we see this, and we're like, oh, no, he knows all the people. And this is where McLean hands the gun over. You got a thought on any of that?
2: Well, the one of the, the subtleties that I saw in uh, Alan Rickman's spectacular performance here mm-hmm. is, like, he's not just... Like he's playing McLean so skillfully, but he doesn't know that like he's given away a little bit too much. Ah, so like what what is the little bit? Like so the like the American accent, the um, I thought you were one of them, the like that whole thing. But that's not. He's not just trying to trick McLean. He's trying to figure out who the crap McLean is. Yeah. All he's had so far is this cowboy. Like he all of his conversations, he's trying to figure out who his adversary is.
0: Is it the case that McLean knows that he's being analyzed because McLean is so good at analyzing?
2: I don't think he is. I think that's part of the whole character of McLean, is that he he has no idea what he's doing (laughs) and he lets his guard down in this moment.
0: Oh, I think he's good because he's like writing down the names of everybody and he's looking at their the, the the names of the manufacturers of their clothing and their cigarettes and these are fake IDs
2: but, but that's just because he has experience with with
0: criminals okay so, so I, it's not it's not I, an analysis thing it's it's he's fly by the seat of his pants it's literally
2: data it's it's like it's beat cop work
0: uh-huh.
2: it's Boom. it's and and The like he does not know that this is not William Clay until he says William Clay, until he says Bill Clay. Yeah. Like he doesn't know that this is one of the bad guys.
0: Well, I guess so. Let's assume that's all true. Mm -hmm. McClain has figured out I know how I'm going to test whether this guy's a terrorist or not. I'm going to give him a gun.
2: I don't know that he decided that until Gruber says that his name is Bill Clay.
0: So, okay. So, Gruber says it. And what goes on in McLean's head at that moment.
2: He sees the name on the list. Yeah. And he already knows that nobody's in the building except for the people who work on the thirtieth floor. Because the oh, guard I see. said it in the very when he walks in. The party. They're the only ones left in the building.
0: That's right. Yeah. That's that's well played. Okay, so the guard says it. I heard tell that they had to cut a scene out of the movie. That occurred early on. That was all of the terrorists all pulling out their watches and synchronizing their watches. Mm-hmm. And what actually happens is he sees the watch of the other terrorists, and then he sees that Hans has that same watch. Was the original way? Oh, sure. They were, were kind of showing all the things. Yeah. I like your I like your answer better though. That I haven't heard that about the the guard downstairs because yeah. that's right. I know that line.
2: Like they show they cut the. Like him saying that his name is Clay Bill Clay, with yeah. seeing it on the on the board and it's like right next to him. McLean's the only one who could see it, so he can tell that Gruber is lying, and then he gives Gruber a gun.
0: So Gruber is too clever here. He's saying, "I'll just name and a name of a person I know who's on the thirty-second floor, yep, or whatever floor it uh, is.
2: Uh, I will say the name of someone who is in this building." Yeah except that John McClane already knows that there's nobody in the building.
0: Uh, I like this. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um. Like another point about like Gruber playing McClane is like when he looks down at his shoes. Yeah. Immediately after John McClane that he says he's a cop from New York. Yeah. All of a sudden Hans Gruber thinks he has him sized up and he's just some dumb yeah. cop from New York. He's like, mm. oh, okay, I know. I know how to handle this now. That's, that's aware, what I read into Rickman's performance.
0: The awareness of image allows him to navigate, okay, here's my adversary, and I can yep. move forward.
2: Yep. Now he knows who this person is, and he also knows that he's not as big of a threat as he thought he might be.
0: Yeah, there is kind of a, he's he, he giggles like New York, but there's also a little bit of relief there. Right exactly
2: and and then like immediately after that McLean says uh, I got invited to the Christmas party by mistake like he's not even supposed to be there yeah that's the fly in the ointment is a cop from New York who was accidentally in the building it wasn't my mm. plan that failed it was this guy's this guy yeah. being here that failed I, I didn't plan for this and now I can adjust my plan
0: there it is hubris so McLean then says,
1: You gotta use a handgun, Bill? I spent a weekend at a combat ranch. You know that game with the guns that shoot red, pink? Probably seems kind of stupid to you. Well, time
0: for the real thing, Bill. All you gotta
1: do is pull the trigger.
0: Hans, um, as McLean turns around, stops impersonating the, the hostage, and he says,
1: Put down the gun and give me my detonators.
0: Well, 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 Hans. McLean clearly is feeling secure and in power, and Hans knows it, that something's wrong. It's pretty tricky with that accent. You ought to be on TV with that
1: accent. But what do you want with the detonators, Hans? I already used all the explosives. But did I?
0: And there ends up being now he's the one questioning Hans for information.
2: And they're also sort of battling for who's, who's smarter. Yeah. Yeah, who knows more information than who right now?
0: We're at the table again.
2: Yep. I'm going to count to three. Yeah. Like you did with Takagi.
0: There it is. We're yep. at the table. Hans pulls the trigger. John says, oops, no bullets. Well, you think I'm stupid? And he has one. Like, McLean's got it. Right. And then the elevator door opens and the henchmen come out. I and feel like is...
2: every line here is like each of them getting one foot in front of the other.
0: Yeah. Great screenwriting on that front. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's. I'm going to move my chess piece. You move your chess piece, and we're we're positioning. Yep. This is a classic western shootout that occurs now. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, McLean jumps into you know the old abandoned barn, and you have the 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 guys with guns outside firing in. It's that kind of setup, at like a western. With the exception of, you know, the way this all works, they don't set fire to the barn. They shoot right. the glass right. and injure the hero. Yeah, McLean bails the detonators, exits by walking over the glass. I imagine because the detonators would be too heavy, and that's kind of the move there. It's worthwhile. And then Gruber, here's an interesting line, says to Carl, smile, Carl, we're back in business, as though, hey, the goal is, is right at, right in front of us. And Carl looks at him with, like, just eyes of rage. Right. Because Carl wants vengeance.
2: But yep. Hans wants the detonators. Hans <laughs> wants his plan to succeed.
0: <laughs> Goal focused, vengeance focused, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Um, Gruber calls Theo. Hans,
2: you better heat up that miracle because we just broke through on number six and the electromagnetic came down like a anvil.
1: Well, have a look at what our friends outside are doing, and I'll be right up.
0: So there's all of a sudden we have all the pieces back in place. Right. Except for that one last lock that we can't get. Um, Hans is then looking at some TV screens uh, with Theo, and Theo's confused. And this is one of those places where um, Chuck Cloisterman's quote comes in, that the villain in a movie is the one who knows the most, and cares the least. Yeah. We know Theo's really smart. Right. We know that Theo is super informed. Right. But in this moment, Theo is looking at the screen of all the people in activities outside and he has no idea what, what to do. Right. And is getting confused. And this is where Hans steps up. All right,
2: those are the city engineers. They're going into the street
1: circuits. And those guys in the suits, I don't know who they are. That's the FBI. They're ordering the others to cut the building's power. Regular as clockwork.
0: And then Theo gets it. And this is one of those places where, like, the value of Hans goes up in his eyes, but so too in our eyes, Mm -hmm. because we think Theo's smart. And because Theo all of a sudden understands our leader had this pinned down from the beginning.
1: The circuits that cannot be cut are cut automatically in response to a terrorist incident. You ask for miracles, dear?
2: I give you the F B I. Ah! yeah. There's there's certainly an element here of like like this is just this is just good storytelling. Yeah. Uh, like having a reveal like this. It's 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 just entertaining storytelling. But it's also like. The guy who has the plan, he needs his team to be efficient and do their jobs. He does not necessarily need his team to know the whole plan. Yeah. And he can save that for when it will make him look better.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's it. It's about his image. It's Christmas, Theo. This is the time of miracles. Yep. He's giving enough encouragement to do the job. Yep. But it, that's Don't exactly worry. what's going on. This this plan will work. He is getting the praise that he wants from his guys in that moment, right? Again, and he right. wants Theo's attention at that level.
2: And I think this is this is his motivation behind his, the way he interacts with Carl about McLean as well. It's like, you will get the thing that you were looking for because I have a plan. Yeah. He's wrong in the end, but like this, I think it's the same thing behind how he reveals this to Theo, is that there is something bigger than what you can
0: see. Mm. In terms of filmmaking, this is one of the best uses of music in any movie I can think of because yeah. they have set set up Ode to Joy throughout the movie, and then the FBI shuts down the city block. Every everybody's confused down there and angry. But there is a slow build that begins with Beethoven's Ninth that's here, and you know Al is pointing out what's going on. That's the FBI. They got the universal terrorist playbook, and they're running it step by step. And they have, you know, all of the movements going to the point where they cut the power. And then it shows Theo kind of backlit, got some like glorious Jesus light going on behind these guys. Like it's halo light that goes on behind their heads. And Theo starts yelling, it's gonna go, it's gonna go. And you cue the Beethoven in its full splendor. (laughs) The lighting is celebratory the terrorists are happy the FBI is happy yep. they're saying they're they're crapping their pants now the only person who's miserable is a guy that we hated from the beginning which is Dwayne Robinson who right. thinks he's gonna get his ass chewed by the mayor <laughs> and it all culminates with Theo going ha ah, Merry Christmas because this is a Christmas movie Such a good scene. The manger has opened. Is that how that works with the Christmas? (laughs) Hans calls to talk to the FBI. He's got his money.
1: This is Special Agent Johnson of the FBI. The State Department has arranged for the return of your comrades. Helicopters are en route as you requested. I hear you. We'll be ready.
0: There's going to be, again, an interaction between Hans and an interlocutor, and we're going to fight because the the where this conversation lands is wonderful. They both hang up the phone. The FBI guy... figures out what what's going to be in a body bag. And then Hans says... When they touch down, we'll blow the roof. They'll spend a month sifting
1: through the rubble, and by the time they figure out what went wrong, we'll be sitting on a beach earning
0: 20%. So great. Both of them think they have the advantage. Both right. of them have their plans. Both of them think the other guy's going to die that I'm talking to. One of them is clearly right. The other one doesn't know who he's dealing with.
2: Right. Like, again, still about image. Like, regardless of what the FBI does here, if they play into his plan at all, they are going to lose. Yeah, right. (laughs) And, And we, as the audience, even see Hans Gruber is the one that is going to win in this scenario. Yeah. You're even pulling
0: for Hans here. Yeah, because
2: those FBI jerks are jerks. (laughs)
0: <laughs> they are, and it even, like, it, it's magnified later. They're flying through L.A. with military equipment.
2: <laughs> and, like, the, he literally says, we'll lose 20% of the hostages. Yes. And that's <laughs> an it? acceptable number.
0: They're them. heartless as well. Yeah. This is where Hans begins to prepare to get all the hostages to the roof, but then he sees the TV clip showing McLean and Gennaro's family, and then he flips the picture up, and his face turns, and he gets real aggressive, and he looks right at Holly Gennaro and says,
1: Mrs. McLean, on nice us to make your acquaintance.
0: And again, here is the introduction. He's only introduced himself to three people. And here he intentionally, that's how he starts that relationship. Mm -hmm. And that means you are my adversary. Yeah. They're picking up all the stuff. All the other hostages are up on the roof, but they're packing up all the bonds. And this is one of the better scenes where as he's doing this and, and Holly is standing by the side, she's looking at what he's doing. And she sees his image. She sees who he actually is, mm-hmm. and she cuts him.
1: After all your posturing, all your little
2: speeches, you're nothing but a common thief.
0: And yep. he snaps. Yeah. And this is where he actually unveils everything he is in a very three-ish way.
1: Yeah. I am an exceptional thief, Mrs. McLean, and since I'm moving up to kidnapping, you should be more polite.
0: The value that I have, the the excellence that I bring to my endeavors is here.
2: Yeah. I am not
0: common. Yep. Yeah. He's not lying at all. He's saying, this is what you ought to believe about me. Yeah.
2: I am exceptional, but I am still civilized.
0: <laughs> there it is. There is some more smog going on there. Mm-hmm. Smog is always very polite and very you know bourgeois mm-hmm. in his his way of dealing with Bilbo. Uh huh. And this is you know Gruber as a dragon. I think is a great image here. Yeah. That he's doing exactly that. He's greedy, which is the the true of all dragons, and uh, knowledgeable, and he loves the banter. Yep. Yeah. Last scene. Uh, McLean comes down after the bill, after the roof has blown up and, you know, all the events that take place. And he's finally got, gotten it down to just three more bad guys. <laughs> he comes around a corner. There's one bad guy. He hits him in the face with the gun. Bonds go you know, scatter. Um, he comes around the corner. And Holly sees him and says, "Jesus," um, which I think again is kind of a religious. Here's my savior, kind of. Mm. <laughs> I think that's why they put that there. And he I was goes, "Because he looks like <laughs> hell. He looks and like he's, I, been he's hit by a bus. He's likewise <laughs> kind of playing that up a little
2: bit here, yeah. Well, okay. He's walked on glass. He doesn't have any shoes on. <laughs> well, this is true. Like, like he's a regular. Like, don't forget, he's not." A superhero he's he's not he's yeah. not james Bond he's not Daniel Craig it's james Bond he's not even Bruce Willis in any of his other movies, yeah, he's a regular street cop from New York who
0: basically's been hit by a bus. He needs to look like he's not a threat or they're gonna shoot him right He needs to look like he's completely wiped out, even yep. though he's got a gun, yeah, and he needs to make them believe that when he drops the gun he's disarmed, yeah. But, but I also think that he's that
2: been he's hit by a bus wrecked.
0: <laughs> he might sleep for a little while after yeah. this. <laughs> so everybody gets their gun. McClain comes in. He says, so That's
1: what this is all about. Robbery. Put down the gun. Might you have to nuke the whole
2: building, Hans.
0: And I, this is a great Again, an- another great line from this character.
1: Well, when you steal $600, you can just disappear. When you steal $600 million, they will find you unless they think you're already dead.
0: It's again about image. Yep. It's about the escape. And it's about the plan. It's about Trickery. Trickery. Yeah. <laughs> so he puts down the gun. And Holly is kind of freaked out. At this moment, Hans turns to his guy who looks like he's going to shoot M- McClain and he screams in German something like, this is mine, just like Carl did earlier. Carl said, I want blood. Mm-hmm. But, but but Hans was even keeled. No, 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 we're fine. We got to stick with the plan. Yeah, Not now. Hans actually wants to kill this guy.
2: Yeah, because he needs and to win. He needs to win. He needs to prove that he's better. He needs to show that he's better than McClain.
0: Now the adversary actually is at his level. He was always trying to get up to the other people's level. Right. But now, okay. And if he shoots him, is he better than him? He wins. Yeah. So he's going to talk him down. He's going to use his power, again, in a place of security, I think, here. He has a gun. His guy has a gun.
1: Still the cowboy, Mr. McLean, Americans all alike. Well, this time John Wayne does not walk off into the sunset with Grace Kelly. This Gary Cooper, asshole.
0: <laughs> He's still bantering. Yeah. And it's like, no, we're still at the card table.
1: Yeah. Enough jokes. You made a pretty good cowboy yourself, Hans.
0: And he and here's where I think McLean is baiting him. He's baiting him to remove the gun from his wife's face. Could which standoff, yeah. Yeah, because it, it, and it is. It's a this is a cowboy scene, right? And Gruber feeling confident.
2: Oh yeah, what
1: was it you said to me before? Yippee ki yay, mother.
0: And that's where he moves the gun away from Holly's face, and John McClane starts laughing, because now he's won. Yeah, and he knows he's won. Right. Grabs the gun from behind his back, calls to Holly, shoots the two bad guys. Hans falls out the window. What do you see there?
2: I mean, like I said, this is like he's he needs to show and see acknowledged that he is better than this other person. Yeah. So like like McLean has been the one who has messed up so many things, and in the end, Gruber's plan has gone off the way that he planned it. He lost a lot, but he still won, Mm -hmm. and now he gets to beat John McClane directly. And he he's like this whole thing is very showy. It's like we talked. Yes. We talked about um the the villain monologue with Syndrome uh-huh. in episode 2 uh-huh. about how like for 2s the monologue is is about needing to gain the attention of from the hero. With 3s it's still about gaining the attention, but it, it's also like a focus on the self in a different, it's a different kind of way, but it still is about that attention. Like the villain monologue happens because I need you to acknowledge that I won.
0: There is some emotional need he really has that goes beyond I need to get away with $640 million. Right. It's just part of, this is entirely who he is. Yeah. Is not being able to step away from these kind of interactions. Right. Right. Because he needs there's the some, attention. There's the first episode of Sherlock, mm-hmm. uh, the BBC version, um, is fantastic on this front. There's a there's the the end of the first episode has a situation like that where Sherlock is in a confrontation with, with a man and he can easily just walk out the door, but he loves the game. Yeah. And he wants to play the game. Yep. And he's he's an addict, Sherlock yeah. is. And the, his addiction comes out in the fact that he's not bored yeah. in this moment when he's playing the game. And there's something about this that Hans has been prepping this for how many years? Right. And he's getting to play it all out. And here he gets his master stroke, but he loses. Right. Because he needed the attention. If he had just
2: shot John McClane in the
0: face... It would all be over. Could have saw him, shot him, done. Yep. We all know Gruber still has a gun. He falls out the window, grabs Holly's wrist. Uh, McClane comes over, pops the Rolex off, which is kind of a an idol or a symbol of her success in in Los Angeles without him, I suppose.
2: Right. Um, it was specifically mentioned before. Like, I, I, I don't know that I've ever picked this up before, but like uh, Ellis, everyone yeah. hates him, Ellis. When we meet Ellis, Ellis tar- talks about the Rolex. Show him the watch. It's a Rolex.
0: Yeah, it's it's her, her success. Yep. Without him. Yeah. And how she's disconnected. But here we're gonna pop it off, and now, it alongside Hans are gonna fall to their <laughs> yeah. death. Yeah. Rolex falls to the ground. Hans falls to the ground. Uh. Robinson says as he's watching Hans fall.
1: Well, I hope that's not a hostage.
2: Right.
0: Which actually, I think had, it brings up the tension of that moment for me real well. Like it's like, ooh, this is this, this is going to be awful. And
2: also helps highlight how awful Dwayne Robinson is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like <laughs> why, that's well, that? what
2: he has to say. Oh, I hope that's not a hostage. <laughs> it's like, what really? Someone is falling 30 stories and that's what you have to say. Oh, I hope that's not a hostage.
0: That guy has no control of the situation. So you'll know this story. It's very uh, widely told about diehard. Well, let me set this up with, uh, I saw a guy get waterboarded once who was a radio personality who had been speaking for months and months and months about how silly waterboarding is, that they're pouring water on your face. It's not torture. And then he actually went in to get waterboarded on live radio, Mm. right? It's like, if it's it's so bad, you should do this. So the guy waterboarding him says, okay, I'm going to lean your head back. I'm going to count to three, and then I'm going to pour water on your face, and that's how it works. Yeah. And so the radio personality is a little nervous. I mean, we're doing this right, and the and the guy who's a professional at this goes one two and just pours it on two, mm-hmm. because it's the moment where normally you would go one two, <gasps> three right, you know, but so he starts to breathe in right when he pours it, and the guy goes, I lied. <laughs> yeah. and, and immediately the radio personality starts struggling and wiggling and, yep. and it's like <laughs> you know waterboarding and he, is terrible and, he go, and immediately after is this, is this a form of torture so of course it's a form of torture this is how I felt mm-hmm. well apparently they did that to Alan Rickman in this scene where he falls where they say okay so they suspended him 70 feet above the ground uh, so, like, he's, he is way the hell up there and he's he's got like gear on. Yeah. But they're gonna it's essentially a bungee jump. Right. Right? Right. They have the padding all underneath and everything to, to shoot this scene. Sure. So okay, Alan, we're gonna go on three. One, two. And they let him go. Yeah. And so when you see his face, is he wasn't prepared. Yeah. This, he was like,
2: these are really good, like we talked about uh in Jurassic Park how uh how silly it is when they react to finding parts of the lawyer
0: oh sure uh yeah it's Gennaro or something in there too i think i think
2: i think this is the lawyer i think this is some of him too and it's like people who have seen multiple body parts (laughs) lying on the ground do not react that way that's right alan rickman's face falling off that building (laughs) is one of the best fall faces Yes. In the history of cinema,
0: that's <laughs> true. <laughs> they did that just as another movie trivia fun fact. Uh, in Alien, when the alien for the first time ever, you know, pops out of the man's stomach, yeah, when they're they're eating, and then he gets real sick, and they get him up on a table, yeah, and then they kind of have an explosion and the alien kind of comes out in the middle of the stomach and kind of looks around. Well, they didn't tell any of the other actors what was going on. Yeah. They said, we we went an improv scene, and here are some of the things that I want you to talk about. Yeah. And then they they took the guy up, and he's not feeling good, and like, what, what are we doing here? And like, everybody's kind of in character, but then all of a sudden there's an explosion, and all of their reactions are like, I did not see that coming. It's <laughs> so good. Well, the McLean's right off into the sunset. Isn't that how cowboy films work?
2: Yeah, but this isn't a cowboy film.
0: They get, they're dressed up in, uh, you know, the firefighter, keep your body warm gear, blankets, and they're walking out and they see Al Pal smiling. I love the emotion of uh, both these men. Yeah. And you'll know this. I like brotherhood films. It's brothers.
2: Yeah. They're brothers. It's brothers. Yeah.
0: And they're the only ones who understood each other. That's right. Yeah, they're the only good guys. They're the only good guys in the, the movie. Well, right? uh, and Argyle, in and Ar- and Argyle, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things I noticed on the fifth viewing is uh, then, of course, they have to have just one more jump scare. Carl comes out, who uh, had been hanging from his neck for a few, uh, you know, at least. Fifty so, minutes. And it wasn't
2: until last night yeah. watching this movie again that I finally Kay. like didn't the the like he strings him up by his neck with chains. Yeah. And this guy just pops up at the last minute all <laughs> of a sudden. How dare they show us show him die? And then just have him magically reap, oh wait, he had his hand around the chain
0: I, I saw that, and I was like, okay, that could be a thing, but he's still hanging there when the when the, all of the, the hostages go running down the staircase.
2: yeah but he's it's that's, like, I, I think that's I think I, I have a much easier time believing that he survived. Kay. I don't with understand. The hands, I don't I obviously we're going to like fumble <laughs> with the timeline a little bit, but like seeing the hand is like, okay, he actually survived and he's In brought the realm down of physics. as a body. Like he's brought down as a cadaver and he waits for his moment.
0: He's just Jason Voorhees and half of his face has been ripped off when he comes <laughs> out there with the gun. It's just a jump scare that you kind of need, and sure. you're like, "Oh, I remember Plus we that got character, Al." So I noticed this this time, Al, when he before he hugs John McClane, his face is clean. Mm-hmm. He hugs John McClane. Uh, Carl comes out with a gun, and and then Al pulls his gun, shoots Carl. And when it shows uh, again, I think this is is. Intentional religious imagery. When they show Carl, uh, I'm sorry. When they show Sergeant Pal again, he has a dash of ashes across his face, mm. and I thought there was a repentance. I've come clean, kind of moment there sure. that he had dealt. He had gone through his season of penance, mm-hmm. and they were kind. And I it. Uh, it I told you this earlier that I cry every time at the end of that scene anyway. Yeah. But but I was just like, oh, they put in some something meaningful that wasn't just I shot a guy and now, you know, the the myth of redemptive violence at, at hand. Right. There was something else going on here. Yeah. Sure. This is my wife, Holly Gennaro. I think is a huge line for McLean.
2: Yep. It's a big deal. Because he yelled at her about
0: it before. It's him. That's that's part of his character arc. Yeah, and it's part of her character arc in saying, "I'm Holly McLean." Yeah, and Powell knows their story because mm-hmm. he heard it on the CB. Cut to the Christmas music because this is still a Christmas movie. <laughs> right away in a limousine. Oh, uh, final thoughts on for, wait, you got any thought we haven't talked about Argyle. You want you got any thoughts on Argyle Hans Gruber and Die Hard? Uh, no real thoughts on Argyle. I just think he's
2: <laughs> he's a, a little bit of comedic relief for us. Final okay. thoughts on Hans Gruber? I really wish they had known what they had and Great. saved his life because I feel like he could have been a spectacular character moving forward and like someone who spent would spend years planning how to undo John McClane.
0: Yeah, if you had like a Sherlock Moriarty. Kind of relationship, wonderful. Yeah, they try and pull that off in you know Die Hard Three with Hans Gruber's brother. Sure, who, uh, who? But yeah, nope. It's the same story. Just fine. It's gonna move us into our other four Enneagram Three villains. Excellent. Um, I love these villains. We may be spending way too much time on the threes. Um, they don't but it's, a, it's aggressive. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Aggressive types, I think, are easier to villainize. Yeah. Because uh, they're setting the table for all the things. Right. Um, and especially if it's the case that the villain is performing for the hero in some, some sense. Right. These these are the performers. So then my next villain doesn't have a ton of screen time, but strikes me as a fantastic villainous character. And that would be one Effie Trinket from The Hunger Games. Right played by the Elizabeth Bank. Yeah. Uh, She is an escort of the District 12 Tributes in The Hunter Games. She is a privileged character. She's raised in the capital. She's obsessive about trendy designers. She is placed in the poorest district, which makes for an interesting dynamic. Um, But she has her residence in the capital and resides far away from those she represents. Um, apparently very interested in manners if we get into her character she's always bringing up the manners right um before i get into the scene i i just want to walk through the tribute scene which is probably the most famous scene i think of the hunger games movies yeah
2: yep for sure uh,
0: um you got any thoughts on this character um i think she's
2: so uh, we're going to talk about like she's obsessed with manners and stuff and, like there is like a, an entire facet of Hunger Games and and what the capital is and even what the Hunger Games are for is that like it's all distraction. It's all performance. It's like the reason that the Hunger Games exists is to keep the masses satisfied. Yeah. And and it's it's for control really, but but the um people like Effie, her not even her job, but her whole existence is about performance it's about the spectacle like looking at the way that the people who live in the capital dress and the things that they surround themselves with like it's all about appearance and and she's easily she's someone that you can easily point to as being obsessed with their appearance and the way that they're perceived
0: by other people yeah, can we say that it's not just that that she's a three, but she's part of a three ish, unhealthy culture.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, and and even even the manners thing. It's not even that she wants people to be polite. It's because you are supposed to look a certain way. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, one's like manners because it's right. Three's like manners because it
0: looks good. It's a worthy distinction. Yeah. Um. It will be the case that after the tribute scene, they're going to have two adolescent um, tributes, Mm -hmm. and then she begins to go forth and sell the love affair between these two tributes in order to generate more attention for her kids. Right. Isn't it the case that the more attention you get, essentially, from the masses, the more resources you have to fight in the right, arena,
2: right? Yeah, because if you can get if you can get people to pay for to send you things that'll help you in the arena, then then you have a leg up. If you have some type of story that makes people more sympathetic to your quote unquote character in the arena, then you have more opportunity for people to want to give you things to help you succeed.
0: So on the low side of security for a three. She's not only interested in making people think a certain uh, story narrative about her. She is now applying that to to those she's loyal to, who right. are part of her district. Right.
2: Well, and, um, and also in service to herself, because the better they do, the farther she advances. Yeah. Like she's in the poorest district, and if this goes well,
0: then she might get to advance to better districts. And that there's the overlap with right. Hans Gruber and others we might talk about. Sure. If they advance, I advance. Um, All right, so in the tribute scene, she's introduced as a character in this scene, comes forth. She is clearly dressed very different than the poverty-stricken masses that have come out this day. Right. Um, She's in this big purple outfit. Her face has has a ton of makeup on it.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Hunger Games and... May the odds be ever in your favor. Now, before we begin, we have a very special film brought to you all the way from
0: the Capitol. It's a film that's showing the Hunger Games and giving us the backstory of how it began. And it ends with this. As you were saying, this is how we safeguard the future.
2: Now, the time has come for us to select one courageous young man and woman for the honor of representing district 12 in the 74th annual hunger games.
0: There is a reframing going on here. Mm -hmm. She must know these kids are going to die, but she's thoroughly upbeat, right? Or at least one of them is going to die.
2: Well, I think this is part of the, the three culture of this event is that like we need to sell this as something that is exciting as opposed to the barbarism that it is yeah and she's just part of that system yeah and she's a she's a, a successful part of it
0: and she gains that's it she gains the success and a place through her participation in this way mm-hmm. and it's apparently something that what um comes out of her skill set. Right. Effie goes over, picks out a piece of paper from a large bowl containing all the kids' names. She opens it, reads out,
2: Primrose Everdeen.
0: And of course, Primrose is a young girl, elementary school age looking girl, um, who comes up. She's obviously terrified. And this is where her sister steps in, who's a few years older, mm-hmm. seems to, to have more maturity. Stop!
1: Volunteer's tribute.
0: And apparently this is new. Um, and Effie, this is, I found this interesting. She has to adjust. Right. She wasn't ready for this. Right. She says, I believe we have a volunteer. This is new and she asked for her name. It, no, Effie says.
2: District 12's 12, very, first very first volunteer. Bring her up. What's your name? Atmos Everdeen. Well, I bet my hat that was your sister, sister. wasn't it?
0: And in the director's cut of this movie, Effie says this, don't want her to steal all the glory, do we? Come on, everybody. Let's give a big round of applause to our newest tribute. Again, all sorts of three values Mm -hmm. all over that statement.
2: And I particularly like the sort of like the projection of Effie's own values onto Katniss. Like, of course she's doing this for the attention because that's what I would do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there it is. And yeah. so that character. I'm I'm not as familiar with these. Do you have a do you have a word on where this character's arc goes? Because it goes some places. She doesn't yeah. reside in that space. Yeah. And
2: uh, she I I feel like I feel like I've talked about this before, but the she I feel represents this really interesting thing that can happen with threes once they stay in the the unhealthy sixth place long enough mm. because she has so thoroughly aligned herself with a system that she cannot imagine herself apart from that system yeah and and to the degree that that um so threes put on this mask to become whatever they need whoever they need to be to get the attention they desire they they will become whoever they need to be to be successful and that means what in whatever space they will be the thing that other people will adore and in in this kind of society someone like effie she has aligned herself with this system and it's when she figures it out it's way too late for her to do anything about the fact that she's become a puppet to the system right so she has worked so hard to to help support and and uplift this system and now not only is she not able to get out of it but she's actually like stuck doing the system's bidding. Mm. So like taking that mask idea to the furthest degree where she actually isn't almost isn't a real person anymore. She's just whatever the system tells her that she is. Like, you see that that development sort of happen with her. Like, she's stuck in this this broken system, and she continues to, to bring them through all of these trials.
0: There's something worth talking about there in terms of a, the villainous side of Three, where the Three finds themselves in a corporation, um, a governmental position in which they have a role to play, but the folks who are in charge of them are doing very destructive things. Right. And they are adjusting without perhaps morally processing that. Is that what takes place? Or even having the, talk about like the, the, the self-assessment that threes might have difficulty with in that moment.
2: I think that, yeah, because the threes typically are not, are not thinking about what's right. They're thinking about what gets them attention. They're not thinking about what's the best thing here. They're thinking about what's the most successful thing. Yeah. And and when you go far enough down that path, you might find yourself aligned with people who do not have your best interests at heart, do not have other people's best interests at heart, but you're still trying to be the most successful. Yeah. and And out of fear of, looking like a failure, you'll just go along with those things. Mm. So like like Hans Gruber isn't a great example of this because Hans Gruber is the one that's in charge. But when threes <sighs> find themselves in a space where they are aligned with something, yep. And they're not the ones calling the shots, they're in for a world of trouble.
0: That's an excellent distinction. There's a person who's in a government position who who comes across to me as a three for a long time. She has had a lot of family issues in the news recently because her, her husband is very anti her government work. And it's been interesting to watch how that has played itself out um, on exactly this front that, that lots of success, lots of notoriety gets on television whenever she wants to. And yet her partner is clearly very anti her her job <laughs> and right. what she represents, and how difficult that would be right it's like no, no no, I've gotten she she resides in the highest place you could possibly reside for her skill set right, and stepping out of that would be amazingly tricky
2: right and and, and she f- especially for the unhealthy three them finding themselves in that position, stepping out of that role, that kind of role would be nothing but failure to them. Yes. And that's yeah, the yeah. thing they're
0: trying to avoid most. There it is. So tricky place to be. Show, shows real courage. If, if one is able, I suppose. Yeah. That would be the, a primary sacrifice. Hmm. Um, the distinction there is excellent, because threes can obviously be leaders in lots of organizations and in places that they engage, and they can also be fantastic second in commands right um, are parts of the machine
2: or mouthpieces in, like that's yeah. what Effie trinket is she's a mouthpiece
0: mm. that's a better way to say that uh another character. That strikes us as a three villain is one Prince Humperdinck from The Princess Bride. Excellent. Uh, You and I, I imagine, could probably quote the movie from memory. Right. One tell for him as a three is at the end where Humperdinck decides to drop his sword when threatened, not with death, but with facial disfigurations. Right. So (laughs) I'm going to take off your nose and your ears and it's like. Okay, you got me on that one. Yeah, and I was, uh, like I've, death would be probably bad, but that's way worse. And, you know, he's <laughs> all ready to fight to the death.
2: I don't think he really is. I think it's all a show.
0: <laughs> is it? Yeah, it's he, all a he show. He says, "He says to the death," and he says, "No, to the pain." And he goes, "I don't know what that means." Yeah, because it's he, all
2: a show. It's all a show.
0: Yeah, he's he, not ready he, to he,
2: fight to the death. He thinks he's gonna win, and then he realizes he's not gonna win. He's like, "Okay, never mind. Just kidding." I guess that's true.
0: Um, Well, uh, a great Humperdinck scene is when uh, Wesley and Byra Cup are coming out of the fire swamp, and they've been tracked by Humperdinck, and Humperdinck meets them as they're exiting the fire swamp, and Humperdinck pulls up on his horses, and he's got his cavalry around him, and clearly he is surrounded by power, and so he's in a place of security. So we can talk about the security of a three in the villainous side.
1: Surrender. You mean wish to surrender to me? Very well, I accept.
0: This would not go over well with a three, I imagine. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Humperdinck, quickly.
1: I give you full marks for bravery. Don't make yourself a fool. Ah, but how will you capture us? We know the secrets of the fire swamp. We can live there quite happily for some time. So whenever you feel like dying, feel free to visit. I tell you once again, surrender. It will not happen. For the last time,
2: surrender. Death
0: first. And again, at this time buttercup is kind of looking around and all these soldiers are popping up from behind bushes and they got their crossbows out and they're ready to take out her lover
1: will you promise not to hurt him
0: what was that What was then
1: if we surrender and i return with you will you promise not to hurt this man may i live a thousand years and never hunt again
2: he is a sailor on the pirate ship revenge promise to return him to his ship
1: i swear it will be done
0: and then to his, his buddy in command, he says,
1: Once we're out of sight, take him back to Florin and throw him in the pit of despair. I swear
2: it will be done.
0: Clearly, this character, in a place of security, has the power over his adversary. What do you see there?
2: Well, it's, it's all a show. Like, this is, like, Humperdin's whole character is a show. He's barely king because his father is still alive. Uh, he doesn't really want to marry Princess Buttercup. He wants Even that's a show, right? Yeah. Like like the the point of the marriage is so that he could start a war with another country. Yep. Uh like like everything about him is a show. And he's quick to lie, and he is quick to put on this face of like the the good Prince Charming. But really he he just wants to be the guy that that everyone thinks is
0: Prince is King. That's all he wants. Wants his marriage to appear like a marriage, right? And and wife say man and wife.
2: Right. And it, it means nothing to him. He doesn't care. It's, it's all for a show. And, and even with this, like this is, this is a lot like the, the McLean Gruber scene where it's sort of this like one up, like I'm in charge Kind of set like with the Pete with the guards popping up out of different places. Like the reason that Humperdinck doesn't say anything more than you need to surrender is because he thinks he's still in charge. Yeah. Because he has this show of force with him. Yeah. It's all a show.
0: Might be a feeling repressed character who enters the pit of despair and when he truly has power over Wesley, mocks his love for buttercup
1: you truly love each other and so you might have been truly happy not one couple in a century has that chance no matter what the storybooks say and so i think no man in a century will
0: suffer as greatly as you will. grabs hold of the lever and throws it up to 50 It's a whore
2: 11 <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, that's right they should have turns made 11. it up to 11 11 it's Christopher Guest right there, and it's directed by Rob Reiner. How'd they yeah. not do that? Oh, well. God, that's a way better joke. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there's something about authenticity in front of him that, like, is deeply troubling, apparently. Right, he's very upset about this. He wants to destroy that. And and also,
2: like like, not just the fact that their thing is real, but that it ruined... His image.
0: Oh, you know what? That's, that's right. It's not just his image. He's been rejected. Right. She doesn't like, clearly, I don't think he loves her, but he wasn't, um, attractive enough to successfully woo and win this peasant girl's affection. Right. He lost to this guy. Yep. And
2: it ruined all of his plans. Failure. Yep.
0: Goes dastardly. All right. Uh, Third one for us is one Rene Belloc from the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Spectacular villain. Belloc is a stellar villain, likable villain, with mm-hmm. a lot of charisma. Um, there's a scene in which Marion, the uh, the love interest for Indiana, clearly is wooed, captivated, and connects with Belloc. Yeah. She's trying to escape, but I think it's authentic. Sure. Um, he strikes me as a—he's a, a likable character, a likable guy. Yeah, with the exception right of the fact that he's sold out his sold the Nazis and, <laughs> and <laughs> he's
2: a great um, contrast to the like the creepy guy in the in the coat cape.
0: Right. Yeah, he's not the guy who's in his always mustache.
2: wearing a coat that, yeah. uh, oh. but never has his arms in the coat. Yeah, in that movie, um, I don't know his name, but. I could picture I his face entirely. Up. He's a, he's a great contrast yeah. to that other guy.
0: <laughs> that guy uh, wasn't actually an actor. He was actually a uh, agent. And Spielberg liked his look so much. He's mm. like, you want you want a part? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Just one off, man. Really well. This is a teller <laughs> villain. Yeah uh the introduction to this character is Indiana Jones has has just gotten that gold head he's he's run out of the cave there's been a big ball chasing him he rolls uh down a hill looks up and he sees himself surrounded by men with uh, bow and arrows pointed at him they're from you know a native tribe in that area and then the one of his guides is standing there and all of a sudden goes face down with you know, about a hundred darts in the back of his back. This is one of the things about Spielberg and his sevenness. It's not enough to have like three poison darts. I want 80 poison darts yeah. in the guy's back. Yeah. A
2: silly amount of poison darts.
0: The, it's a silly amount of tarantulas. Yep. It's a silly amount of snakes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're, be snakes? we're gonna melt these guys' faces off at the end. It's just, we're, t- let's, uh, that's going to 11. Anyway, Belloc then comes out.
1: Dr. Jones, again we see there is nothing you can possess which I cannot take away. And you thought I'd given up.
0: I'm not a failure.
1: You chose the wrong friends. This time it will cost
0: you. One of the things I like here is actually he's a heart type. He connects with people. Mm-hmm. He learns their language yeah. so that he can actually use the power of the people that he's around. And again, notice how that's such a Hans Gruber move. Right. Jones reluctantly hands over the idol, says...
1: Too bad the Jovitos don't know you the way I do, Belloc. Yes, too bad. You could warn them if only you spoke Jovitos.
0: And then he starts oh, speaking Hovidos and all, the, all of them bow. He's showing them this idol. Indiana Jones tries to run away. Belloc looks at him and does a... <laughs> and then he starts laughing as he looks at the idol. There's a villainous side there, but yeah. there's also the... I'm in control, I have power, I've gotten what I want, I use these people to get the treasure, and you're disposable, and actually, I wanted to talk to you about this. This seemed to me to be one of those, you are my equal, you're my doppelganger, I know, and and, and some of the conversations they have later go down this road, but he has one here, and that's really the thing. The, mm-hmm. the idol is, it's not about the idol, it's about the fact that he bested Indiana Jones.
2: And, and like i I wouldn't say that he sees Jones as a as an equal Because i th- I think that Belloc is actually a great example of of one thing that we haven't really talked about in this whole conversation of villainous threes yeah, is that threes are a little bit more okay with cheating oh like they they want to win, and cheating yeah. is probably fine
0: oh, that's a good yeah, I could say that I mean is that part of the deceptive nature
2: right so um. Like and, and notice how he reframes. Like he did not do the work to get uh, this idol.
0: <laughs> there it is. But <laughs> he <course>. is
2: for <laughs> sure going to claim this victory because he was smart enough to use someone else
0: to do it. Yep, it's a, it's, a, it's right on. Yeah, there's a famous sports uh, radio personality, national personality. Who says if you're not cheating, you're not trying? In response to like all of the the steroid in sports and mm-hmm. stealing of signs and all the rest and inflating and stuff. He's he's just and and he I think he's on a on an island by himself there. Sure, but he's definitely going there. He's like I don't I don't like he has a national show and he may have cheated to get to the top. And <laughs> it's like right. this is just how it's done, y'all.
2: Right, it, when all things are equal, then like. It's not really a sport. Like this is <laughs> this is how you get ahead. You you cheat a little bit.
0: That is part of the game. Yeah. Part of the game is figuring out how to mic the other guy's locker room. Right.
2: Or like this is like Steve Jobs is actually a really excellent representation of this, I think. Like in okay. real life. Because hey. Steve Jobs did not create the computer Steve Wozniak did. Sure. Like yeah. there's there's no question nobody's arguing whether or not Wozniak did the actual work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Steve Jobs got it into the hands of millions of people. Yeah, he's the sale the seller because he he was able to assemble the team. He was able to f- he had the vision to create the company that would become one of the largest corporations in the world. Yeah, he did not design the iPhone. But Steve Jobs gets the credit for the iPhone because he's the one that ran the ship that, d- that designed it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So. Orchestrates the pieces. Yep. Um, one other scene here from, from Radar, Raiders is after uh, Marion is apparently dead, Jones is at a bar and he's drinking and he's surrounded by people in this public place. Um, and then Belloc shows up.
1: Belloc. Good afternoon, Dr. Jones. I ought to kill you right now. Not a very private place for a murder?
0: Well, these Arabs don't care if we kill each other. They're not going to interfere in our business.
1: It was not I who brought the girl into this business.
2: Please, sit down before you fall down. We can at least behave like civilized people.
1: How odd that it should end this way for us after so many stimulating encounters. I almost regret it. Again, it's about the game. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level?
0: Again, there's the Hans Gruber stuff, and the last villain that we look at is going to do the same kind of move. Right.
1: You and I are very much alike.
0: So here would be a a counter to the claim that he doesn't see himself kind of in Jones, or I think he thinks he's better than Jones. But I don't know. He's better than yet? Anyway.
1: Archaeology is our religion. Yet we have both (coughs) fallen from the pure faith. Our methods have not differed as much as you pretend. I am a shadowy reflection of you. Don't take only a nudge to make you like me. To push you out of the light.
0: It's a great little image of how most villains work. It's the shadow of our hero.
1: Sure. You
0: know it's true. How nice. Look at this. He holds up a, a watch. It's worthless.
1: Ten dollars from a vendor in the street. But I take it, and bury it in the sand for a thousand years, it becomes priceless. Like the Ark. Men will kill for it. Men like you
0: and me. He doesn't want that watch. He doesn't actually want the Ark for its own sake. He wants the glory. Right. That, is, that comes with, I have discovered this beautiful, wonderful, historic thing. Right.
1: What about your boss, Der Fuhrer? I thought he was waiting to take possession. All in good time. When I'm finished with it. Jones, do you realize what the Ark is? It's a transmitter. It's a radio for speaking to God. And it's within my
0: reach. Before we move to the end of that scene, what's that about?
2: I'm not exactly sure, obviously. But I I think, like, if I had to guess, so part of the three is three struggle with deceit. And and one of the ways that they struggle with it most is, is deceit of themselves and when threes move mm. far enough into their mask they sort of view themselves as the mask that they're wearing yeah. and and I, I i don't think that he thinks that he and jones are on the same level in the way that that it it's it seems i think that he thinks that jones i, I don't i don't think he sees them as equals I think he's he thinks that Jones is as sort of devious as he is and he, like w- just wants the glory yeah like that's that's all he wants he wants the glory he wants the praise he wants the acclaim of being this this fancy archaeologist. Um, and he thinks that Jones wants that too. And he's, yeah. he's sort of projecting that image onto Jones.
0: He's looking at Jones in the same way he's looking at himself, assuming right. the same motives. Right. I think you're right. And,
2: and so thinking that, that that is all that he wants, he's falling victim to a, you know, a human's old trap of trying to elevate himself to the level of God. Yeah. If this is a device that can give me direct communication with God, then that means I am higher than
0: everyone else. Yeah, there it is. I wonder if he's has deceived himself so much that I mean if you're going to talk to God you better have your your ducks in a row. I wonder if he can't even see how he's it's not like you show up at, at God's place and knock on the door and say hey I wanted to talk to you and God's not going to say you you realize that you're 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 working with Nazis here, pal. Right. You know. Right. <laughs> he, he it may- doesn't matter. Like
2: it it doesn't matter how you got there. And that yeah. that is, like, clearly that is his M.O. It doesn't matter how he got that idol. So long as he got it, he's the one that deserves the glory for yeah. it. It doesn't yeah. matter how he gets to a conversation with God. Yeah, He was the one that was able to do it. That's interesting.
0: What's interesting uh, further here is that you don't know this until the end of the scene, but everyone in this bar is armed mm-hmm. and is on uh Belloc's side. Right. It's a, it's a similar image to the beginning where uh, you know, all the, the native tribe have their, their gun, their, uh, their bow and arrow pointed at Dr. Jones. And here all of, all of the locals again, have their guns pointed at Dr. Jones. And so, Belloc, this, through this whole conversation, has known not only that he had command and power, but he says something like, how odd that it should end this way. Like, you're going to die here in a second, pal. Right, right. Jones says, you want to see God? Uh, let's. I got nothing better to do. But he hasn't thought through this. Right. And then all the people around him raise up with guns. And, of course, the only way he gets out is, all of a sudden, Sala's kids come in from stage left and say... Indy, come back home now. Indy, come back home now. And all the the locals are like, "Yeah, I can't shoot a guy in front of some kids." Right. right. And <laughs> and he gets <laughs> rescued. <laughs> Last thing that I think is real interesting is is uh, Belloc's death scene. Is he again is learning languages, and here he's performing a Hebrew ritual in front of Nazis, which is v- the v- like this is very strange. Um, like as you think through it and Spielberg obviously is a you know as a Jewish director and he's performing this Hebrew ritual dressed up in the garbs of a high priest as he opens the ark and there's something about the excellence there i'm going to do this rightly in terms of the presentation yeah it's
2: a performance
0: he opens it the the spirits become coming out of the the ark and he believes he's done it all right right You know, he sees it and his last line is as one, one of the spirits kind of comes forward towards him. He says, it's beautiful. And like, he can see the, the, the glory here, the, the beauty, the excellence that's in front of him. And, and this is it. It's euphoric. I've won. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a sudden turn, but.
2: (laughs) Well, and like, I don't, I don't want to get into the theology that I think this is too much, but like like there's there's a, a fair element of like he does not understand the power that he's playing with, oh yeah, and no, that's like, exactly like obviously, um but as someone who has convinced himself that just finding the ark, just performing the ritual correctly, just being the one who wins will get me the glory that I'm looking for. Now he's 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 performed the steps and of course it looks beautiful to him. Yep. Because he doesn't understand what that power actually is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Has no the thing the shut your eyes, Marion, uh don't look no matter what happens line that is Joan's last line before Chaos and Soon mm-hmm. uh commences strikes me as I have Proper reverence for the power in front of me. Yeah, it's bigger than me, and he decides to honor it, even fear it. And Belloc doesn't. Right. And the the pr- the the pride that comes out in in the way that three ish pride would come forth. Yeah. Yep. Is is the downfall yeah. of him and all the rest.
2: Yeah. Three sevens and eights believe that they can order the world according to the way that they see it. Mm. And this is this is Belloc performing the ritual in order to order the world the way that he thinks it should be.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. good. All right, our last villain is one that we mentioned earlier in the three podcast, and we are recording on day two now. And so, in yeah. the meantime, between mm-hmm. recordings, I quick went and watched some episodes. And TJ was right, as is often the case with uh, typing characters. <laughs> And one of the better recent villains uh, on, on screen is Moriarty from the fantastic BBC series with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman on Sherlock. Um, there's a debate. I'm not sure if you know this, but there is a debate with among fans of this show in terms of whether they should be called Sherlockians or homies. And I just thought that was funny. This was huh. a fun fact that <laughs> the sure. internet told me today. <laughs>
2: yeah, Interesting. What a weird thing to argue about. <laughs> it's
0: fans, man.
2: Yeah. It's,
0: it's Trekkers, not Trekkie. Um, love this character. May it, it Might go over the top a couple times in terms of this actor. I've already forgotten that guy's name. Do you know the actor I don't you?
2: remember his name, but he's fantastic and I love him. He's in Fleabag too.
0: Certainly has it, man. You can't take your eyes off him when he's on screen. Right. Um, But, uh, he is introduced into the first season. He walks into the mortuary where uh, Sherlock is doing, doing work, and he pretends to be a gay man, assuming that Sherlock will simply see some of the details he gives him, and Sherlock does, and it's almost as though Moriarty gets away with it. Right. Like I have presented myself to this person who has observational superpowers – which we see throughout this show, right? But, but he didn't see me. Moriarty wants his attention, but he also wants to play that game with one of the few people he thinks is his equal, and there it is again. Like, let's sit down at the table and let's play the game, right? which happens a lot in the Sherlock series. The first episode, which is phenomenal with the, the villain who is, uh, there's a serial killer on the loose, and Sherlock has this confrontation with the serial killer across the table. Just brilliantly done. Do you know what I'm? Yeah. Uh, you've seen oh, yeah. this, yeah, yeah, of course. Okay.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm one of the few people who likes the w- direction that the show went. So,
0: oh, with uh, with the way with stuff just, in the fourth fourth yeah. uh, season. Yeah.
2: Yep, man, I like it. <laughs> I like it. I dig That's it. Hard. It's fine. <laughs> I understand that I am one of the few. It's fine. Don't at me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Moriarty is a deceptive character. Lots of misdirection. Lots of impersonation of other people and breaking the rules, as it were. Mm-hmm. There's going there's going to be some some turns in the the finale of the second season where he's clearly doing things where he is lying about who he is in a public space and getting away with it. And yeah. Sherlock is is beside himself because he can see what's going on and. But Moriarty is clearly lying in front of, like, a newspaper woman is, 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 is the scene I'm talking about. Right. Um, but there's a famous scene at the end of season one where they're at a pool. This is the first time Moriarty unveils himself. I told you my call. And Sherlock Holmes is there. John Watson is there. But John Watson has um, a bomb vest. And if it ignites, John Watson will be blown to bits. You know. Don't be silly. Someone else is holding the rifle.
1: I don't like getting my hands dirty.
0: And then they begin this long conversation. It's a good back and forth. And he says at one point,
2: I've shown you what I can do. I cut loose all those people, all those little problems,
1: even 30 million quid just to get you to come out and play. I have loved this. This little game of ours, playing gym for my team. Playing gay? Did you like the little touch with the underwear? People have died. That's what
0: people do. Just completely feeling repressed in right. terms of other people. Right. And he is surrounded himself with others with power, the sniper who's going to shoot John if anything goes badly. And so he is in a secure place. Mm-hmm. Um, anything we're saying there before we, we do the end here? I
2: mean, the like this comes out throughout his whole thing, but like like the reason that he has done this like this particular chain of events is designed entirely and specifically to draw out and to play with Sherlock, yeah, and like the whole thing is about finding someone who is sort of equal to his game. Like he is trying to set up a game where he can win, but unlike Belloc, he wants the stakes to be fair.
0: The Is there something about, with specifically with Sherlock, and this comes out with Gruber some as well, he wants attention. He yeah. demands attention. Yeah. But not everybody is uh, worthy of giving him attention. Right. It's the select few.
2: Yeah. It's and because every nobody else could actually appreciate him yeah. for how brilliant he is because nobody else is as smart as him. Yes. But if he can find someone like Sherlock who is as smart as him, who he can beat, then he can get the attention he's looking for.
0: That's it. Yeah. That same theme carries into the end of season two of Sherlock, which mm-hmm. may be one of the... And This is a top three... TV show moments for me. Sure, the end of the second season is uh, Reichenbach Fall. That episode begins with um, Moriarty, you know, stealing the crown jewels, showcasing his ability, and even pins on a on a piece of glass get Sherlock. He wants Sherlock's attention. Right. And there's a trial, and he is standing trial in front of everyone in the world for this, tri- for stealing the crown jewels. And Sherlock stands on at the, you know, he's in the dock. James Moriarty isn't a man at
1: all. He's a spider. Spider at the center of a web. Criminal web with a thousand threads, and he knows precisely how each and every single one of them dances.
0: Again, a great image of the three who controls all the other people who have all the skills. Mm-hmm. And, as he is standing there, you see a very subtle move in his face where he feels deep pleasure that he is understood and that his genius is appreciated in that moment right. by the person who can see all the things who is communicating it to the whole rest of the world. And as the you'll know this as the show goes, he provides no defense and then is acquitted, right. Uh, they have videotape of him doing the crime and he is acquitted. And right. it's showcasing I have ultimate power. Right. Anything there before I I tell you the, the last scene?
2: Well, I want to address the, the spider thing. And like, I'm yeah. thinking about him as a, um, I have not read any of the books. I've seen several other iterations of the character of Moriarty. Um, so I don't, I don't know what Arthur Conan Doyle was intending for this character to be like, like all I'm basing this off of is Andrew Scott's performance of Jim Moriarty in the BBC show circle. Yeah. I looked it up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The, but like the idea of him being sort of a spider in the shadow, like in, in the pool scene, he says, I don't like to get my hands dirty because he gets other people to do the work for him like like there there is some sort of tuishness there of of wanting to be surrounded by the people who will do who will take care of him of him like the the um the godfather type of like because uh, so much of what he does is getting like that's what blackmail is it's essentially storing up favors yeah and that's so much of his character's arc or his character's the way that he behaves is is by storing up favors. Uh, that's why he gets acquitted. And um, but his interactions with Sherlock showcase that like like that that web thing is because he knows he can control everyone. Yeah, it's not because he wants to be in control of everyone. It's because he can. Yep. The thing that he really wants is to find
0: an equal. That's exactly it. And he he mocks Sherlock at times for not being able to rise to the challenge. Right. In the very last scene with the two of them, he starts out, Sherlock says something, and he says, No, 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 no. This is too easy. This is too easy. <laughs> He's like, for the love of God, can't you see what this is about, Mm -hmm. because he pitches, and this is his deceptive side, he pitches in that last uh, episode that he has a key that can unlock all of the, uh, he can get past any encrypted firewall there might be, and he calls it a key. In a world of locked rooms, the man with the key is king, and honey, you should see me in a crown. And there's Mm his three-ish attention-grabbing personality coming out but he has he only appears to have the key there is no encryption key and this is why he he mocks sherlock in this scene you don't understand there is no key i'm making you believe there's a key right and that was the whole move
2: right well and and it wasn't even for sherlock it was for uh,
0: to control other people yep and he's yeah. making loads of cash Because of the appearance. Right. He doesn't have any, he's not actually selling anything. Right. He's making people believe that he's selling something of real substance. Right. Last scene, they're up on top of a building. um, And it's worked its way to the point where he needs to get away and he needs Sherlock to take the fall, as it were. Let me give you a little extra incentive. Your friends will die if you don't. John. Not just John.
2: Everyone,
1: unless my people see you jump, your only three friends in the world will die. Unless Unless I kill myself, complete your story. You gotta admit that's sexier. And I die in disgrace. Of course, that's the point of this. Oh, you got an audience now.
0: Off you, Pop. He wants Sherlock to be publicly shamed. Mm -hmm. it's not enough for you just to die. I want you to appear like a failure in front of everybody else. And there's the villainous side. I have the team assembled, I'm secure, and now I want you to lose all of the appearance of strength, success, worthiness. And,
2: And notice that the person that he wants to appear as a failure is completely comfortable with nobody giving a flying crap about him. Yeah. Like, Sherlock does not care what other people think about him. Yep. Whatsoever. But the three thinks it's going to be a punishment for Sherlock... To die in disgrace,
0: yeah. There it is. Yeah. It's again, Wayne. Dis- uh, believing, and this is a com- this is probably common to a lot of the types is you assume that other people see the world the way you do, right? And that's a mistake, right? I gotta stop there because if you have not seen this, you must it's go, just, dear dear so listener. Good. You you gotta you gotta invest in those first two seasons of Sherlock. Because what happens after that conversation, I my he, it was like somebody ripped the top of my head off and poured ice water in, into it I in terms this. of yeah. the exhilarating <laughs> ending to that. Um, but he does say at one point, and I won't say anything more, Sherlock says some stuff and he says, You're me you Thank you,
1: Sherlock Holmes.
0: Thank you. Bless you. And and there's kind of, there was there is a moment for that character that has a lot of energy mm-hmm. where he he has been again just looking for an equal that he can best. Yeah,
2: and yeah. and someone
0: who sees him. Yes. There it is. Yeah. I, I want you to see me. Come on. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I mean, we could go for another hour if you wanted to, but <laughs> we might want to wrap this one up.
2: I think our wives would appreciate that. <laughs>
0: the world to us. If you pause, take two seconds and write us a brief review and give us some stars on your podcasting platform of choice, you can find all the links to all of our stuff at around the circle.org. But the best thing you can do is share this episode with somebody you love, preferably somebody who is a three, who, who might be tempted to open the ark of the covenant and have their face explode or get dropped off a tall building, right? Or there's all sorts of dastardly. Does Effie uh, go down?
2: Honestly, I don't remember if or how she
0: dies. (laughs) If you dig these pop culture deep dives, you can help us select upcoming movies and hear more on our Patreon page. Our music is by The Collection and by Tim Coons. And that's it, man. TJ. Yeah. You got anything else? I do not. He's TJ Wilson. He's officially awesome. And I'm Jeff Cook. And who you aren't isn't interesting. Be who you are, and you're going to set the world on fire.
1: Come burning with hope.